Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Sunday Punch Podcast. We will be talking about gender and the many genders that there are and the evolution of gender today. We have Aiden Grogan. Uh, but before we start, as we all know, last night was Friday night. Friday night, I'm thinking that we just might fly away to someplace they don't know who we are. Now I'm riding shotgun in your car. We drive through the city like explorers going 65. Flowing hair flying across your face. We left on Friday, now it's Saturday. Press jeans buttoned up, jeans iron slipping up. Red shoes walking slow, headphones blaring three stacks. Sunglasses flaring out, thick watch hanging low. Studded belt pulled taut, three stacks on the radio. Friday night, I'm thinking that we just might run away to some place we we can be who we are we can be who we are okay thank you aiden for joining me today Uh, i want to get started with just a simple phrase if you say there are two genders that is now a very controversial statement. It is a controversial statement because the the dominant cultural narrative is now that gender is a social construct and exists on a vast, vast spectrum with limitless possibilities. Right. So let's how did we get to that point of, of there are two genders being a very controversial statement? Well, because the left thinks that everything is a social construct. So the existence of the gender binary, male and female, they think was established by culture and religion to keep people in slavery, so to speak, uh, and, and not allow them to express who they truly are. So then the, the idea that, that, that maleness or femaleness are sort of conditioned by your society rather than being innate. And they say that, as I've said many times, we're all just blank slates. We're all the same. And true gender is a form of expression and it's detached from one's biological sex. I think the distinction here for me is, um, you know, as far as identification, I, you know, I'm, whatever you want to identify as like as a human being, I have no problem with that. But the fact, but, but the argument is that no, that you are the gender that you are born is can fluctuate. So I, you could have, according to my, you know, I see in your video, you had you, there's 56 genders on Facebook to choose from. Mm-hmm. But according to mine, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight genders. And let's just go through them. There's transgender, two-spirit, cisgender, non-binary, genderqueer, gender expression, gender fluid, which is my favorite one, (laughs) and then gender neutral. Yeah, a lot of those kind of mean the same thing. And you'll notice that, did they mention non-binary in those eight right there? 
Non-binary is someone who, yes, someone who does not identify as a man or woman or solely as one of those two genders. It's, it's often used as an umbrella term for identities that fall outside the male-female gender binary. Being non-binary means different things to different people. So this definition is purposely broad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that seems like a popular one. It is. And it's more popular than being transgender at this point. And this is a point I wanted to make uh, because I've looked into this, I guess, from a different angle than most conservatives. You hear a lot of uh, conservative outrage over men and women sports, which I, I think is ridiculous because you have these six foot buff people identifying as women and absolutely destroying females. Um, but the trend is not just a bunch of dudes claiming to be female first of all there's a lot more teenage girls claiming to be male than teenage boys claiming to be female Hmm. and this uh woman abigail schreier wrote a good book uh called the transgender craze seducing our daughters and and her hypothesis is that this is very much a social contagion because all this came in to uh, the media and public discourse basically around 2015. Once gay marriage was legalized, then everything became about gender and transgender. And they started airing these transgender activists on the mainstream news media. And then all of a sudden, there was just this huge explosion in uh, adolescents wanting to change their gender. And and they did an investigation in the UK into a 4,000% increase in children wanting to change their sex. A 4,000% increase. So I think we could get into the, the, uh, the medical background of the issue because it is a legitimate condition. There is a, a legitimate medical condition called gender dysphoria, which typically manifests very early on in childhood where a boy or a girl will typically identify with the opposite sex. So a boy will prefer playing with Barbies and dressing up in girls' clothes and will actually act in a very feminine way, will almost get along with the girls better than the boys. So there you have a legitimate circumstance where the brain does not align with the body. Mm -hmm. However, most children who express transgender feelings from a young age and actually are diagnosed with gender dysphoria um, grow out of those feelings over time. And that's what a top psychiatrist at Johns Hopkins, Paul McGue, said said 70 to 80 percent outgrow it and as they go through puberty and develop into adults they become more comfortable with their body which is why putting little kids on uh hormone blockers and trying to permanently alter their body before their brains are even developed is child abuse Mm -hmm. yeah now that's that would be a controversial statement right there hayden just saying that right there that some go you know grow out of it and identify as a man if they were playing with barbies or if you know they were kind of a tomboy they go to be a female and they're perfectly fine in their lives yeah but that doesn't happen well (laughs) it right it doesn't change the the fact that most people do grow out of it and they they do live normal lives as the gender that they were born as now here's the question though what if they they do Right. Here's here's the real issue. Right. And there's no right answer. But what if one of those kids then, you know, goes on and says, you know what? I do want to be a a female or I am a female. I don't Mm want to be. I've always been a female. I want to stay out of the controversial range here. I've always been a female. Now I'm going to make the transition. Man, I wish I would have done that earlier. 
because because now my body has changed. It's never going to be, you know, how it could have been if I started earlier. Yeah, well, there's all these instances right now of transgender regret where people go and get sex reassignment surgery and then they later regret it. Uh, so you have to take that into account. And the fact that most kids grow out of it means that if you encourage a, a child to permanently alter their body, there's a good chance that they are going to regret this later on. So that's why you have to allow them to reach adulthood, reach 18, and then they can make that decision for themselves. According to The Atlantic, Aiden, young trans children know who they are already. A new study shows that gender nonconforming kids who go on to transition already have a strong sense of their true identity. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was a little kid, I had a, a strong sense that I was Spider-Man, but I still can't <laughs> climb up walls, unfortunately. I also really wanted to be a T-Rex when I was a kid. Okay, um... I want to get back to the point of uh, okay. Let's just establish this. I I do think. Would you say? So are you saying that no, like this is all being influenced, and that there are no people that are born with the mindset and have always been a female, and then go on and then transition, and in their mind are a female? Would you say no? That could have gone a different way are you or, are you or do you think that you're born like i'm saying do you believe do you believe that you're born that some people are born the wrong gender yeah i think there's there's legitimate cases of gender dysphoria as i as i said it's it's about one in ten thousand males and one in thirty thousand females that are literally born with the the brain of the opposite sex it's it's actually like the, it doesn't align with their body, so mm -hmm. that's legit. But it's one in ten thousand males, one in thirty thousand females. It would always use it's it's a medical condition that typically affects boys, but hmm. for some is reason, there any, is there any information on that as to why that would be the case? People, no, there's no there's no legit consensus on it. Um, okay, I I don't know why. I think I think homosexuality is more com uh, common in males than females as well. No one knows exactly why. Well, mm -hmm. I think, I actually think homosexuality is more common in males because uh, there's, there's a greater degree of males who have no access to the opposite sex than females who have access to the opposite sex. If females want to find sex with a man, they can always find that. That's not really the case with men. So right. some more men uh, will be more willing to experiment with with homosexuality than females out of a feeling of necessity. So I don't know if that transfers into the transgender phenomenon or not, but the fact that it affects them at in in childhood just seems to it's it's not like a personal choice that they're deciding to be transgender if they actually have gender dysphoria. Now that distinguishes from what's going on because you do have somewhat of a social contagion because. 5% of young people in America now identify as non-binary, according to that new study from Pew Research. Mm -hmm. And and about uh, 3% identify as transgender. Well, that is not 1 in 10,000 or 1 in 30,000 that actually have gender dysphoria. So what I think you're seeing is uh, it's becoming sort of trendy. It's becoming avant-garde to experiment with gender and, and be gender fluid or non-binary. Some 5%... 
of adults younger than 30 are trans or non-binary, including 2% who are trans man or trans woman and 3% who are non-binary. Right, right, yeah. Neither man or woman aren't strictly confined to one or the other. Yeah, I, I, I think we can establish, I don't think there's any controversy in saying that young people, if they think it, it's kind of cool to say you're non-binary, will identify as that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think and that's the... To, but that is super controversial, by the way, to say. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's super... Like, if someone's listening to this, I know that, uh, um, you know, some some of my liberal friends would are steaming right now. <laughs> well, the thing the thing is, I understand the transgender phenomenon more than the non-binary phenomenon because now i i went to columbia college chicago for two years so i was around all these people and the transgender at least they're they accept that there is a gender binary now a lot of them are left-wing activists so they will reject that but but there's a there's even a few conservatives who are transgender like blair white and they will say no there really are two genders and they will actually try to embody all the characteristics of the opposite sex but the non-binary people are just this sort of, well, they're almost like the blank slates that they're advocating for, where it's impossible to tell what they are. They, they, they have no, there's no way to distinguish them between male and female. So it's kind of like you see these people and you think, oh, what, what are you? Mm-hmm. And then they have they, them pronouns, or they have it, its pronouns. Uh, it's, it's very, very confusing. And, it and, is confusing. But, I was actually just reading, you know, Ezra Miller? No. He's the uh, actor who's going to be in, in the Flash movie. And he's he's got major drama going on in his life right now. But he identifies as non-binary. So I'm reading all of these stories about him and his compound where he's apparently kidnapped people and whatever. And... Um, the whole story I'm reading, I'm like, they, I'm like, who's they? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, they keep referring back to Ezra Miller. Yeah. And then, and then one. what about this phenomenon of you have to put she, her, he, him on you on, I have to do that. Yeah. Well, that's because they're trying to normalize everyone existing on a gender spectrum. They're trying to normalize everyone having to, give their pronouns so that nobody could god forbid be misgendered in public and because apparently that causes just so much trauma (laughs) yeah um let's get back to um so there's 56 gender options on facebook i Mm -hmm. i wanted to make the point of this proves that the metaverse is going to be so popular and because if you if you if that if we're going this way where you can choose, right, your gender, it just to me is just saying, I don't like who I am. So I'd rather be anything else. And if you could be any character, right, in the, in the metaverse scenario, come on, come on. I mean, make make the connection here. Aiden. Well, it's it's a revolt against nature for one because they, they are denying their, their – the, the biology that they were given and also by modifying their body by undergoing certain very barbaric procedures, they're basically uh, sterilizing themselves just so they can feel like they are this other identity. They are willing 
to just say, yes, I will never have kids because I want to remove this part of my body. And so for all humans who have existed up to the modern world, they would say, so you're, you're undergoing voluntary self-sterilization. You're not going to pass along your genetics to a next generation. What's the point of yeah. you being alive if you're not going to have kids and if you're not going to pass along your legacy? I have fun. Well, that's why we're at the end of the line here, which is was the subject of one of my recent videos where I, I didn't say anything in the video. I just showed the headlines and I just called the video the end of the line. But that's that's how that's well, how you shouldn't have. By the way, just a, on the metaverse thing, you shouldn't have a um, you shouldn't have a gender in the in the metaverse because they have a sexual assault problem already. Mm. Well, the metaverse is like a video game where you select and create your own character. And that's what the left is trying to do, where, where you get to craft your own identity. There's like in a video game where where they give you a blank slate sort of a character that has no facial features or anything it's just a blob and then you get to add in all the features that's how the left sees the human being it's just a blank slate and then we get to craft the whole identity yeah ay 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 um i, I forgot where i was going to go i'm sorry i'm reading about the metaverse right now and their sexual assault problems <laughs> so apparently like you go in and the like people like you you didn't have like a barrier around you, right? And so people would like get near you in the metaverse and whisper these like weird things to like these females that were going in. Which is why you can you need 56 gender options. <laughs> um, let's talk about I, I I do like that even though so you had transgender, like the I to me the biggest breakthrough was Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. And that to me was like the exploding, like, um, what's that book of where there's like the point and then everything after it, I forget. But anyways, but I like that Caitlyn Jenner was portrayed on Vanity Fair for female, but they're still treating her like a sex symbol. Yeah. So females have made no progress. Even 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 from transgender, for when you make the transition, uh, we're still gonna sexualize you. Yeah, well, that's what I've 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 noticed with a lot of the transgender activists. They 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 post a lot of uh, sexualized photos of themselves because they want to show off their newly made bodies. Yeah, but um, I mean if. If we're going to do that, shouldn't there be some sort of progression? <laughs> like, why are we still making females into just sex symbols even after they've been transitioned from male to female? That's that's the dominant <laughs> that's the dominant culture we live in. I'd say that, I'd, say, I'd say males are made into uh, 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 well, males are objectified too in ways that people don't really. Uh, ever acknowledge males are treated more as human doings rather than human beings if you're not willing to make yourself disposable and sacrifice yourself for others then you're regarded as not being a real man that's true i haven't heard i haven't thought about it from that angle what are, what are some other ones what are, what are some other things why is being a, a man not as great as uh everyone makes it out to be oh i can go on and on about this <laughs> well it, being a man is is difficult because uh, number one, throughout all of human history, 
women are going to be cherished and protected. That doesn't mean they're always going to be treated right. Not people are going to be mistreated all the time, but females will be cherished and protected. Males are always going to be treated as disposable. If if the if the tribe or the 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 village is under assault, the men are going to have to go out and die to protect the woman and the children. Mm-hmm. So just that fact alone, that as a man you have to accept that you are not as worthy of this planet as a woman, <laughs> makes being a man less awesome than it seems, and. Um, that's why non-binary would be popular with me i could always like you know go back yeah like, yeah oh there's something attacking well yeah you know i'm well, and, not and, identifying as a man right now yeah well the reason that i do that already though so. yeah yeah well the reason things are set up like that is because in order for the human race to continue you need a lot of women because they have to carry a child for nine months but you don't need a lot of men because Men can go and impregnate different women any day. So you can, the human race can, can thrive if there's only a thousand men and 10,000 females, but it can't thrive if there's 10,000 males and only a thousand females. Right. So for that reason alone, men are always treated as disposable and accept and expected to die. It's not really fair. It is not, just like on the Titanic. Well, they have. Well, they have to have kids now, because you know, Roe Roe versus Wade was overturned yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like they can't access abortion in all their liberal states anyway. <laughs> yeah, give give us your uh, give us your take on Roe versus Wade being being abolished. I I'm I'm glad that the United States government does not officially support eugenics anymore. That's my take of it. <clears throat> you know. I I have a I have a middle ground on this that I think would would really um, solve all problems. Well, do you want to hear the funny take or the or the um, the actual or or, or the I, educational take? I, I I'd say go with the actual take first. Okay. Well, you need to invest. I I think there needs to be access. There needs to be access, better access to birth control and better access to education and have a better educational system. And you wouldn't have all of these people t- turning into animals basically where they just have like nine kids and they don't do anything. And, you know, so with, but nobody wants to address that. We don't want to address the foundational issue again. We just want to address the problem at the end. That's, that's, um, presented to us now my funny take would be they shouldn't have abolished or they shouldn't have gotten rid of roe v wade they should have just mandated a name change and then instead of abortion you just called it baby killing and then it would be baby killing clinics and not abortion clinics and then when you walked in they had to greet you like a mose or a cc's and said welcome to the baby killing clinic how many babies would you like to kill today? Yeah. But it's still legal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe it makes some of them think twice about what they're doing because the procedure is literally baby killing. It is putting an object in and vacuuming the baby's brains out and then picking it apart piece by piece. Very graphic, very gruesome. But abortion, 
I made a whole video about abortion and it was it was it was fascinating to me because you had this psycho woman in New York City running around chanting, thank God for abortion. And all the all the young women were screeching and applauding her. And, and, she said, and it's never do you ever realize it's never like those signs? I guess it's a word count issue, but it's never like, um, you know, choice. It's always like pro like like I like abortion. Yeah, they are pro-abortion <laughs> because they are pro-death. They they are not, not choice. I like the act. Yes, that there are people out there who like abortion. It is a form of child sacrifice. It is it is a resurgence of of paganism. I truly believe. But but anyway, you can find countless videos like that of psychos celebrating abortion, and but this psycho from the the from the actual organization, Thank God for Abortion, said abortion bans are class war. So the rich get together and they want to deprive poor women of abortion access. Now, I addressed this whole claim in depth in one of my recent videos called The Metaphysics of the Abortion Debate. And I said, it's precisely the opposite. It's the super rich people who get together and say, how can we stop the plebs from having so many children, especially in the third world? And this is the National Security Study Memorandum 200 penned by Henry Kissinger in the 1970s, which became official U.S. government policy. And it was a program for international NGOs like the International Planned Parenthood Federation, the Rockefeller Created Population Council, and of course the U.N. to go into Africa, give them birth control, give them abortion access, uh, educate or indoctrinate Kissinger's words, indoctrinate them to want to have smaller family sizes. And the reason was because in Kissinger's words, the U S economy will require large and increasing amounts of resources from abroad, especially from less developed countries. So the motivation for depopulating through abortion of an entire continent is because large U.S. multinational corporations want those minerals. And if the population is expanding, they're consuming too many of the resources that the corporations want that they can sell in, in the West. How did abortion, this is getting really dark, by the way, but how did, how did abortion start? <laughs> well, I'm sure abortions existed forever uh going back to plato's republic it was a form of infanticide where they would have the, the baby would be born and then they decide they don't want it so it's just like whoa. uh oh wow and that's what they did in sparta too with it goes back to the the male disposability thing when they would br take the boys away from their mothers at age seven and start them on their military training and if they weren't mm. physically fit enough they would just throw them off a cliff yeah. So they wouldn't do that to the girls, but they do that to the boys. That's true. Uh, All of the child soldiers are boys. So the, mark, mark that on the on the list of yeah. why it's way harder to be a guy than than a woman. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And oh man, this this cast is going off the rails. Right but now. abortion <laughs> in the modern world, Planned Parenthood. I can't, I can't like that. That is abortion. It's just Planned Parenthood, and yeah. that was founded by Margaret Sanger who was a eugenicist who said, well, it was originally called the American birth control league. And she wanted the, the undesirable people to have birth control. 
So this was this was early 20th century. There was a large influx of Eastern European and Italian immigrants and the sort of posh white Anglo-Saxon Protestant elites didn't like all these Catholic European groups coming in there and having lots of children. Uh, they were concerned about people with disabilities reproducing. They were concerned about the, about African-Americans having too many children. And it's all based on this idea that if we only uh, allow the best and the brightest to reproduce, we can perfect the human race. And some people are just born to be a burden on the rest. So they'd support uh, birth control. And then later, actual abortion. And there was a uh, Planned Parenthood memo in 1969 which was sent to the Population Council, which was created by the Rockefellers. And it advocated for adding sterilization agents to the water supply. It advocated for the legalization of abortion on demand. And then it also said that children should be taught in schools to want to have less children. It said women should uh, be encouraged to work outside the home. All of this was written in 1969. And then Roe v. Wade came about in 1973. So now abortion's legal. The women enter the workforce in mass. Male sperm counts going down, female fertility going down. All this stuff is happening. And abortion is just a, a critical part of of a, of a eugenics program to shrink population and not let the so-called uh, undesirables reproduce. and But it's all done so covertly. They can't call it eugenics. They can't overtly call it population control because then it rings of Nazism. So they have mm -hmm. to say, oh, it's actually about human rights. It's actually about female empowerment. We care about you, even though we're trying to kill you and kill your genetic code. Right. Hmm. So all you have I didn't to do really is think about it like that. All you have to do is look at the history of the organizations who are pushing it: the Planned Parenthood, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Population Council, the American Eugenics Society, which became the Society for the Study of Social Biology after World War II. So they couldn't have all these controversial names anymore. Mm -hmm. Was the um, Ford Foundation a part of this? Oh yes, that's why I wanted to get into the Ford Foundation because that was it, the Ford Foundation recently wrote an article and I saw it on LinkedIn and they're just bragging about how much they contributed to the feminist movement. And this is the Ford Foundation. This is Henry Ford, one of the richest billionaires who ever lived, and they're bragging about how they funded this woman's group and that woman's group and they helped create the, the, the academic discipline of women's studies, which is supposedly this revolutionary feminist discipline that teaches women to destroy the patriarchy. Yet all the grants for the research for these uh, academic disciplines at the big universities is coming from the most wealthy and powerful social engineering operations in the country. And that's what the Ford Foundation is. And I just have to mention, now that we're on the subject of the Ford Foundation, there was an investigation into all the private tax-exempt foundations, Ford, Rockefeller, Carnegie specifically, in the early 50s. And it was headed up by this, this banker named Norman Dodd. And he said the Ford Foundation invited him to visit their offices in New York City. So he went and visited the office to, and, and to learn what, what were they really up to? Were they going to show him their archives so he could have a more thorough investigation? And they basically sat him down. And according to his account that he did in an interview in the 80s, he said, he said that the president of the Ford Foundation told him that they are operating under directives 
to use their grant-making power to alter life in the United States so that it can be merged with the Soviet Union. So there's something merge of the Soviet Union. Merge the United States, the, the Western democratic capitalist world, with the Soviet communist world. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. How does that work? I don't know how that would work. It never happened, but that's what this major capitalist foundation with huge funding from the Fortune 500 was working on accomplishing. And they openly admitted that to a guy that was leading an investigation into them. Do they have any, uh, I, I saw in your video that let's, let's, let's bring it back to gender. <laughs> Did they, what was their influence? Uh, I think you had this in your video of, of them, them influencing this gender, uh, this rise of the different genders, the Ford foundation. Yeah. Well, I put a comment. Um, oh no, I didn't, I didn't mention it in the video, but, um, we started our work on gender equality back in 1965 yeah. as the feminist movement was taking full effect in the U S our work began under the frame of women's rights, but it was always about learning. In the late 60s, together with the Rockefeller Foundation and Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching, we supported the development of academic field of women's studies to help us and society as a whole understand the social and cultural constructs of gender. Everything's a social construct. <laughs> and their entanglement relationship with race, ethnicity, economic status, and more. That's kind of That's kind of like, yeah, that's like. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, when you learn that it's we more... did this. Yeah, exactly. For yeah, the we... benefit of society. Yeah. yeah, we're billionaires and we just led a revolution. <laughs> right. And now all you women are depressed and unhappy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and if you're not a woman, you're also depressed and not. And not Actually, unhappy. we wanted the other half of the population in the workforce to drive down wages and break up the family. <laughs> well, okay. So why would they want that? Why would they want to break up the family? What well, is the benefit to the Ford Foundation of breaking up the well, family? Well, okay, so so the foundations are all interlocking groups controlled by an alliance of Wall Street interests. Now, that's a crazy claim to make, maybe, maybe not, but it comes directly from the historian Carol Quigley, who was Bill Clinton's mentor, uh, Harvard-educated, taught at Georgetown, high-level guy. And in his book, Tragedy and Hope, which I think I've shown on these podcasts before, he said that the foundations, the biggest private tax-free foundations, are just interlocking groups. So they're all working together, and they are Wall Street interests under the guise of philanthropy. So from a basic economic perspective, if you're, if you're a, a corporate elite, and you want more money for yourself and less money for the workers, what you'll want to do is create a labor surplus. And you could do that through more immigration. But another good way to do that is through getting women in the workplace. Because the more people there are looking for jobs, the more the workers become disposable utilities. And you could just move from one to the other. And if oh. one, if one employee is pissing you off in the workplace and he and wants wages can go down too. yeah exactly and he wants a he wants a high salary or a high wage 
you could just say, well, this new immigrant from El Salvador is willing to do this job for only half of what this guy's willing to do it for. So let's fire him and hire this guy from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Or this woman's willing to do it for less. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe they're Which thinking, is why well, they make 70 cents on the dollar. Yeah. The it's all connecting. And, and also like, like I, I only realized this like a year ago when I was thinking about the old trade unionist socialists, but they were like not the socialists of today that are all liberal and bourgeois and they're, you know, drinking their Starbucks. The actual Hanging like out at the Bohemian Grove. I, I guess. <laughs> but the the like working male socialists, like the, the good old boy Italians back in the day who'd be like working in the coal mines. And then they got like shotguns and they're like, then they unionize and the corporation's like, oh shit, they got guns and they are pissed off. And this is what happened with the Cal uh, Colorado Fuel and Iron Company in 1916. Uh, John D. Rockefeller II basically, uh, they, they had dreadful working conditions. They were like cattle. And so the men, a lot of Italian and Greek immigrants, uh, went on strike and then they were kicked out of the company-owned housing. So then they formed a tent colony and they all had guns. And then state militia and, and private security under the employment of Rockefeller come in and they just start shooting into the tent colony and the men get their guns and start shooting back. So when you have a bunch of pissed off, aggressive, testosterone-fueled men in the workplace, there's the chance that they will do that. They will unionize. They will rise up. They will actually fight you. Whereas if you get a bunch of women in the workplace, they're probably not going to arm themselves and threaten to kill the board of directors. Or in modern terms, fight back, um, you know, not with guns, but, you know, like actually push back on yeah. the CEO. Right. Or well, push and, back and on different labor laws yeah it is it is true that women are higher in trait agreeableness so they are they are going to be less likely to voice an opinion in some cases they'll they'll, they'll decide to play it a little more safe they don't want to cause controversy they don't want to cause a heated argument in the workplace very Man, controversial statement by the way Oh, I know. I know because there's plenty of exceptions to that. But in general, women are more agreeable than men. So they tend to avoid conflict more than men. They tend to just go along to get along a bit more. And nobody wants to hear this, but it's been proven in every negotiation book that I've ever read. And I think this contributes to the wage gap. But women accept the first offer way more frequently than men do. And so if if it's up to the CEO or the hiring person to make you accept as little money as humanly possible. Yeah. If that means that you are a female and you in general accept the first offer, then that will contribute to a wage gap within whatever company, within whatever industry you're going to be in. Yeah. Now that that's working on like the seed level, Right. I will agree CEOs, you know, the promotions and everything that comes after that. Yes. Is there discrimination? Yes. But for, for there, there's not going to be some standardized like federal government thing going into every uh, office building in America and saying, you know, you got to hire, you got to, you got to um, pay everyone. No, 
whatever except whoever accepts the dollar amount when you come to work, that's what you're worth because you accepted that. That's a super controversial thing to say, by the way. Yeah. No, no disagreement there. <laughs> I get how fired we, up on that one. Uh, I don't know how we ended up on this topic. <laughs> the Ford oh, Foundation. We, we were talking about the Ford Foundation and that went into labor surplus. <laughs> uh, well, most recently, by the way, let's go to gender again. They signed the Grant Makers United for Trans Communities pledge. With the pledge, we're building on our support of trans rights and communities by ensuring our grant making operations, hiring practices, and communications are trans inclusive. Oh, that's fine. Sure. It's just a line <laughs> to put on a website, isn't it, at this point? Yeah. Well I don't think they actually care. Yeah. So I wanna get I wanna get into the, the philosophy of this where it gets deeper. Because in all these ancient traditions, these ancient religions, including in philosophies such as Neoplatonism and Hermeticism, there's this idea that when mankind began, everyone was just one sex, one androgynous sex, a blend or a synthesis of male and female. And then somehow when man fell from his original state of grace, we divided into male and female. Then we divided into different races. Then we divided into different classes so to speak and then also in our own bodies we divided between mind and body or spirit and flesh so we have a war within us as well as a war externally so all these distinctions arise and the great task of leftism and the revolutionary tradition is to reunionize all of these distinctions so that means they have to bring all the races together they have to create one world they have to bring the genders together. So this is why I don't think that they're just trying to normalize changing your gender or making gender this vast spectrum. I think in the end, it's all going to culminate in everyone just becoming one. Everyone's going to be the, the sort of gray faceless automaton that the left sort of thinks man exists as in the state of nature. Hmm. Because as they try to produce more and more diversity it has the opposite of effect of, of resulting in just this bland conformity and homogeneity. So if everyone becomes some crazed expression of gender and you're just looking at them like, what are you? What are you? Everyone's going to just look like a blob with no key defining characteristics that you could say that's a male, that's a female, that's a, that's a beautiful woman or that's a handsome man. And this is what the Nazis did in the camps. They would shave everyone's head. They would give them all the same clothes. And they would essentially erase the Dehumanize them. Exactly. Erase the distinctions between the genders as a process of, of undermining their human dignity. Hmm. That's Thank you, point. Ford Foundation. Thank sounds, you, Ford Foundation. <laughs> sounds like, you know, you supported the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no well that was a long time ago ford motor company gave gave him some fuel had to invade poland well you always we talked about this in war you always fund both sides come on that's how you make the most yeah. money yeah i guess you you fund the right-wing war machine and then you fund the left-wing social revolution and you, meanwhile you're taking checks all all across the path yeah 
Uh, I think this is a good one. Yeah. I think uh, you want to talk about anything else? Anything um, else controversial? Uh, here's something controversial. I applied for a job at the Ford Foundation. <laughs> I, I'm going to infiltrate them from the inside. Exactly. Uh, is that what you convinced yourself? Yeah. Well, because if, if I got a, if I got like a phone screening with them, I would just be super professional. And then when they ask if I have any questions, I'd say, is it true that the Ford Foundation wanted to merge the United States with the Soviet Union? The hiring manager would not yeah. know anything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what? I, I saw that as part like, of a... Talk to your boss. <laughs> Climb the ladder. Yeah. Go Find look at the your, eyes wide shut party. Go look at your archives. You and the okay. Rockefeller Foundation. You and the Rockefeller and the Carnegie people. Yeah. The Rockefeller Foundation also funds women's studies, by the way. You know, they're talking to you, it's kind of depressing because it's knowing that it's all just connected and been going on for hundreds of years. And there's this cabal of evil <laughs> twirling around my head at all times. Yep. Social, socially engineering you. Well, we talked about gender. We talked about abortion. We talked about a couple conspiracies with foundations. I think this is a solid episode. I think so too. I, I let's let's end it there before we get in any more trouble. Yeah, like gay frogs. <laughs> I clipped that video, and that video is doing quite well. It actually. is doing well. I'm not clipping it. any of these because I don't want to be. I don't want to get. You know, in the future, they're going to be like, we saw that clip of you uh, talking about abortion and how you should call them uh, baby killing clinics, and we just yeah. can't have that in this in this office environment. Yeah. No one's going to listen. The, a job interview in the future will not listen to the entire thing, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's you're too be... many episodes. There's too much content. Yeah, you're just going to be walking around downtown. Someone's going to put a bag over your head, and then you're going to wake up. Uh, in the Ford Foundation. I was going to say at the Bohemian Grove, and the president of the Ford Foundation is going to say, we're going to burn you alive. Well, <laughs> if I wound up the Bohemian Grove, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see what goes on there. I think, I think I'd fit in. <laughs> All right. On that note, it is always Friday night. Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might. Fly away to someplace they don't know who we are. Now I'm riding shotgun in your car. We drive through the city like explorers going 65. Flowing hair flying across your face. We left on Friday. Now it's Saturday. Press jeans buttoned up. Jeans iron slipping up. Red shoes walking slow. Headphones blaring three stacks. Sunglasses flaring out. Thick watch hanging low. Studded belt pulled taut. Three stacks on the radio. Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might. Run away to some place we we can be who we are. We can be 